2018. Two houses admire a movie, a very special science fiction movie, House Conyers and House Silhouetta. These two houses come together to discuss a rather fantastic fan edit of one of the all-time greatest science fiction films. The name of this film is called Dune. The new version is the alternative edit, Redux. Hello everyone! Welcome to the Cinepop MovieCast. I am Chuck Conyers. I am Jose Joel Zulueta. Welcome. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Holy shit, yes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, no introduction necessary. Um, today we are going to be talking about... Um, I think uh, a movie that I think you and I could say is one of our favorites. Oh, yeah. Um, a, a misunderstood masterpiece. Yes. There and, ever was one. And particularly this version of this masterpiece. Um, we are going to be talking about Dune, but we're going to be talking about a special cut of Dune. A version that is called, what is it called, the um, Alternative Redux. Edit Redux? Yes. Edited, something, uh, something, uh, flashy like that. Yeah. Edited by a fellow named, or a lady for all we know, but edited by someone named Spice Diver. Uh, this is something that you can find online. It is not the official edit of the movie, but it is a, um, a very thoughtful reimagining taking the movie itself the original edit of the film including clips from the extended cut as well as deleted scenes and um mm -hmm. moving things around changing music stuff like that adding effects here and there uh, this is uh, one of the most um really detailed fan edits I have ever seen of anything and um, you know we're uh, we're gonna be talking about that today um, we've been wanting to do something about dune since we started this podcast we've you know we've been talking about doing a director like a, a like a commentary track over it uh, which we still may do at some point but Mm -hmm. You know, we we have to talk about this, especially because I had um, I found this fan edit just doing a, just a random search about Dune. You know, I like to do you know some deep dives into stuff that I like, and I found mm -hmm. this fan edit, and I told Mr. Zulueta about it, and we agreed that we would watch this and do our review of this fan edit. I don't think there is mm -hmm. a review of this fan edit. I'm, I'm, the, the movie itself, the original movie itself, has been reviewed a thousand times. I don't know anyone that's reviewed this. I'm Gene Sisko, film critic of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Roger Ebert, film critic of the Chicago Sun-Times. But first, Gene starts with one of the most eagerly awaited films of recent years, Dune. I wish Aroma the Educated Skunk <laughs> were here, because if it were up to me, and the Picking the Skunk of the Week is a joint uh, enterprise on this show. For up to me, 
Aroma would be here. Because Dune, one of five science fiction films being released this holiday season, is the worst, according to me, by a wide margin. It's physically ugly. It contains at least a dozen gory gross-out scenes. Some of its special effects are cheap, surprisingly cheap, because this film cost a reported 40 to $45 million, and its story is confusing beyond belief. In case I haven't made myself clear, <laughs> I hated watching this film. I wish I could have left after 20 minutes. I couldn't. I had to stay there another two hours. What's doing about? As best I could tell, it's another one of those young prince fairy tales, I think, with a young man learning to be brave and control his emotions and thereby grow up to lead a nation and save the universe. <laughs> Dune takes place on four planets. I could never keep them straight. It introduces dozens of characters with unpronounceable names. I couldn't keep them straight. Basically, what's going on, I think, is that this young man's mission is to destroy the universe's dependency on a substance called spice, which has everybody doped up, and also to harness some devil worms. If he can do all that, worms that crawl up like Moby Dick out of the sea, in this case, out of the desert. And I tell you, Gregory Peck was a lot more interesting chasing the worm, uh, the Moby Dick than this guy is surfboarding off one of these worms. This is a shocking film at times. If he does all that, if he can harness those worms, he's going to bring peace to the world. But what a load of junk we have to sit through with people getting their nipples ripped off their chest and having fluid drop out, with a premature baby being born in blood, with facial boils being lanced. It's like a medical show. The filmmaking is shoddy also in several respects. Giant holes in the story are filled with apparently last-minute voice over narrations to explain what's happening to characters. Crucial accent scenes are begun, then needlessly interrupted, sometimes forgotten. Basically, I watched two things while watching Dune. I watched the movie, yes, and I watched my watch. This film was pure torture to sit through. Uh, I didn't now, like why it. Is, <laughs> now, why isn't it? Why did you say, no, it doesn't no, qualify for... I said you couldn't bring a Roman the Educated Skunk. Why around. not? I don't think it's a skunk. I think it's a bad movie. I don't recommend it. But I do think it qualifies as one of the great follies of motion picture history. And I think that for some people, first of all, the Dune fanatics are probably going to go see it anyway. For certain other people, Let them. there's a certain amount of interest in this film. There's a certain amount of shocking but why interest but why in these amazing it? sets that are, you know, totally senseless and <laughs> never used. And they walk through and you see $30 million behind them. And then they go into some little room and do something. It's amazing. Uh, how arrogant they were in thinking that they didn't have to tell any story at all. And then it's amazing that, that then they throw in the narration. It starts out with the actress Virginia Madsen on right. screen, and she's saying, these are a few things you need to know about my father and about these four planets <laughs> right. and about the worms and so forth. And you're saying, wait a minute, I'd rather be confused and not know anything than be confused by the explanation. Yeah. I sat there, you may have heard me, five minutes into this film, I yelled out at the screen, I give up. I was, and then I had to watch the rest of it. And yet there are certain images in the film that are striking. There are certain moments that are fun, even if they are gruesome. I don't recommend the film, yet at the same time, it is not, it is not the skunk of the week because it's not totally worthless. Because just as an example of a totally misguided project, I think it deserves a little niche of its own in the cinematic hall of fame. It's a skunk. Mm, I haven't found any reviews of this either. And I think at least not video ones. Right. And I think it's due. I think it's about time. Um I I think this fan edit's been around for quite a while. Mm. And um years literally. Yeah. Uh and this isn't the first version of his edit too. I think it's been changed over the years through uh feedback. So a lot of thought has been put into this. It's like this guy's life work. <laughs> it's something isn't it and he's doing it for free for us actually for the fans yes
And he's obviously a big fan of the book, too. Yeah. Because I think he was uh, trying to remain true to the spirit of the book, and Lynch had changed quite a few things. Yes. Okay, Mr. Zuluetta, let's take this uh, from the beginning. Uh, what do you say? Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, um, so um, right away when you start this film, it's completely different than the first version. Would you agree? Mm, wouldn't say it's completely different. Huh. They, uh, they they kept the princess in. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, well, okay, what did you notice? Well, the Bene Gesserit priestesses are in the beginning. They weren't there before. They weren't in the beginning of the movie before. We are the secret of the universe. We are the secret. We know of Chom in the universe. Combine or not over advanced mercantiles, controlled by the Emperor Shaddam IV and all the great houses of the Landsrad. We know of Chom, yet we are the secret. We know of the Bene Gesserit Sisterhood, their selective breeding plan for 90 generations to produce the Kwisatz Haderach, whom they will control. The ones they call the witches, yet we are the secret. We know of the guild and the navigator's power to fold space and their control over all interplanetary travel. We know they have the seeing eye. Yet, we are the secret. The Bacca shall weep no more, for there is now at work a higher power. Okay. So before the title even comes up, you have the Bene Gesserits talking about the coming of the Kazakh Saderach. Oh, right. In the original film, you don't know about the Kizak Saderach until after he does the Gonjabar test. Mm. Which is the hand in the box, the pain box. Yes. I, I remember, remember your Gonjabar. <laughs> now you remember, remember mine. mine. I can, I can kill, kill with, with a word. <laughs> See, this is the like like we said, this is the most quotable movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the dialogue is great, I yeah. have to say. And, uh, you know, you have to give David Lynch credit for sticking really close to the book. Yeah, which what some would argue that he did not. Even the, the um, uh, Spice Diver would contend that he does not really stick to the book 100%. Okay. Um, even um, Dennis uh, uh, Deneuve, is that his name? Uh, Villeneuve. V- Villeneuve, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, who is doing uh, the latest incarnation of Dune, which would be, you could say this is the three and a half version of Dune. Three and a half. Well, because oh, you, okay. Because you you're counting the, Jodorowsky. Well, that, that's the half, because he never right. got to shoot it. He only made the, um, the large storybook, um, the story, uh, storyboard book. Which I, oh my god, I would love to see that. I would love to see it. 
Yeah, I like to break into his apartment and yeah. get my hands on that. I guess that's the only way to see the book, right? Is he ever going to publish that thing? No. Well, as it turns out, um, if you if you've seen the um, Jordowski's Dune, um, oh. they over the years picked that book apart and taken things from it and put it in other movies. So oh, Blade no Runner, Blade Runner, Alien, um, The Fifth Element. I mean, it's like, there are tons. Like it, it's been dissected like a, a Thanksgiving turkey the next day, <laughs> uh, stripped of its parts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are parts of it all over the place. Um, but there's um, David Lynch's version. There's um, the Sci-Fi Channel did Dune and the Children of Dune. Oh, right. Yes. And uh, then uh, Jordowski is the half. So um, this uh, Villeneuve movie is going to be the third attempt to make this or to tell this story. And he's telling it in two parts, uh, allegedly. That That's uh, what was last um, in the news about this. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good idea because yeah. you can't compress this into a two or three hour movie Uh -uh. it's like the material is just too dense and there's like so many different things that the story throws at you so many different terms and different characters so if you give it enough uh space to breathe with two movies i think that's a swell idea yeah yeah me too um and after what he did with blade runner 2049 which you know I mean, they have been talking about doing a sequel to Blade Runner for decades, and yeah. it was a horrifying prospect because it's like, how the hell are they going to do this? And I have to say, he pulled it off. I mean, it, it is oh, yeah. really, really good. That is a solid movie. I just saw yeah. it again recently. Yes, it's on HBO. Yeah, and it's it's great. It's so good and so smart, and I'm noticing like little things that I hadn't seen before. I didn't see the first time I saw it, and... I'll be watching that a thousand times like I did with Ridley Scott's version. Yeah. But so awesome. I love, um, who's the kid? Ryan Gosling. I, I love him in that movie. He's fantastic. He's fantastic, oh, he period. perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. As the half-replicant. Well, actually, he's... Well, I'm not going to say anything, because I don't want to spoil it. But, uh, <laughs> but he, well, let's just say that he's perfectly cast for his movie. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so for uh, this, uh, the Spice Diver version, um, it, yeah. um, it does open differently. It gives a little more um, context into what you're about to see. Um, mm-hmm. And also the first thing you notice, which we mentioned before, is uh, you get a quote from the book uh, of one of the characters talking about uh, the world. And mm-hmm. each of the, and this movie is divided into four books. Right. And um, you know, again, really, really fantastic device. And believe it or not, I mean, this movie has is epic and has scope as it is. That mm-hmm. gives it like an extra layer of scope to it. Uh, and it's yeah. really, really, I think. Um, it it really does um, I think it feels more authentic than um, Mm. the condensed kind of crammed together version the two hour version and I even think that it's better handled 
than the three and the four hour versions too. Mm-hmm. Because what he yeah. things that he he does add things, but he also takes some things out, and he condenses some of the moments and makes them makes them move a little bit more. Uh, the scene where um, Paul and Jessica, uh, you know, they crash land in the ship, and they're escaping the worm. They chop that scene up. He he condenses that so it doesn't like drag mm -hmm. on forever. The fight at the end. Sure. Uh, with Fade and um, Mordeeb. You know, <laughs> a lot of David Lynch regulars in this movie. Yes. Uh, the, uh, the little girl, the uh, the sister of Paul, actually shows up in the Twin Peaks sequel. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. She's, uh, oh, she, she grew up to be beautiful woman um wow. i'm sorry her name escapes me and, and i haven't seen the twin Peaks sequel but she's definitely there oh, and also cool. there was a uh there was an eraser head character in uh in dune jack nance damn it yes there you go jack nance yeah. um yeah he plays one of the um does he this is he flying the emperor around is that how he flies Does he keeps manipulating this box <laughs> While the um, while Harkonnen is um, flying around, while the I Baron see, Harkonnen I, is flying around, I see. I don't know exactly what he does, but he's always sticking with the Baron yeah. for some reason. He's sort of like a yes man to the Baron. Am I still alive? Yes. Yes, you're alive. <laughs> I'm alive. I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, no. so great. There are a lot of... David Lynch himself is in the movie, too. Yes, that's right. He plays the uh, the spice vehicle driver. Yeah. Yes! Yes, sire! sire. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Hello, Coop! I'm here mining spice on Arrakis! It's very red here and dusty, Coop! Lots of worms, Coop! Yeah, that's a fun cameo to give yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Kenneth McMillan plays um, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Oh, boy. He the... was... <laughs> he was suitably twisted. There is not an inch of scenery left, because every one of these motherfuckers chews it off. <laughs> <laughs> I will have a raptor's back for myself! He who controls the spice controls the universe. And what Piter did not tell you is we have control of someone who is very close, very close to Duke Leo. This person, this traitor, will be worth more to us than ten legions of Sardaukar. And who is this traitor? <laughs> I won't tell you who the traitor is or when we'll attack. However, the Duke will die before these eyes, and he'll know, he'll know that it is I, then Vladimir Harkonnen, who encompasses his doom. <laughs> Do you think that's a plus or a minus for the movie? The uh, over-the-top villains. Good question. Sting is definitely over-the-top. Are you there is a Harkonnen among you. <laughs> Give the Harkonnen a blade and step forth. <laughs> oh, you know, speaking of that scene 
Yes. Well, in in the standard version, was there? Uh, did they have the Thufer part where he? No, they I added know. that. I thought that was great. Oh wow, that was that was a really interesting scene, wasn't it? Gurney, I see Thufur Hawat among the captives. Let him stand free. The antidote. Thufur. Payment of the many years of service to my family. You may now ask of me anything you wish. Anything at all. Do you need my life, old friend? It is yours. I mean this, Tufer. If you are to strike, do it now. Noble Atreides warrior away. Yeah. I mean, he, he because it shows he there, there are two times in this movie where um, Duke Leto and um, Paul Atreides show mercy on their traitors and still allow them into the fold after the fact. Uh, when Paul's room is attacked by the Flying Needle... Right. And the Linda Hunt character enters the room. How about that? We'll get to that, back to that Linda Hunt scene that they added to Oh, uh, yeah, Napes. Yeah. You know, there was the scene that was added to the to this movie uh-huh. where they have they have they have this meeting and um Dr. Yui comes in and he's like, I'm ready to tender my resignation. Now was that Yui? Uh no, that was uh that was Stufer. Oh that was Stufer. Oh that, yeah, that's right. right. So he so it was two times he was forgiven. Oh, okay. For fucking up, and uh, the second time was in that scene before the um, before the fight. I can't believe they cut that out of the movie. That's yeah. one of the best scenes in the movie. It was. It was. Kind of heartbreaking too. Yeah, it really uh, was. It, it looked like they did a real number on Duper. Yeah. During captivity, and this was like years, right? Like at least two or three years. Yeah, that's right. Since they were captured, and he. It's like they lobotomized him to an extent or something. Well, they gave because him the heart that... plug, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And to get the antidote, he had to nurse that cat every day. Yeah. 
Oh, man. <laughs> He's a bad man. <laughs> and there was like a, like a rat attached to the cat, too, which is All even more twisted. All I see is an Atreides that I want to kill. <laughs> they live with one of us now. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's yeah, that's sadistic as shit, man. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lots of great actors in that in that movie. Absolutely. You mentioned Dean Stockwell. I I loved his turn as Doctor Yui. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He yeah. was really, really good. And um, now this um, the scene yeah. with um, Mapes, um, Linda Hunt. Oh, yeah. She um, uh, she um, as a Fremen. Um, she was going to look like she was going to kill Jessica. What are your orders? You may refer to me as my lady. I'm not noble-born. I'm the bound concubine of Duke Leto, mother of the heir-designate. Shut out. That's an ancient word. You know the ancient tongue. I know. I know you came prepared for violence with a weapon in your bodice. My lady, the weapon was sent as a gift if you should prove to be the one. And the means of my death, should I prove otherwise? It's a Chris That blade unplatted. Yeah! Day! No just to a fault mm-hmm. you know because they never take the traitors out <laughs> like, <laughs> all right to i'll their, forgive you to their own undoing it seems absolutely absolutely and yeah. even the, the one thing i thought was great was the reverend mother um oh yes who played her she was in uh, she was in i claudius oh, get out of my mind <laughs> Sienna Phillips. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the um, the story is that um, the 
the um, the Bene Gesserits needed the Atreides to have a daughter. Uh, so right. they um, implanted Jessica as one of the con- as as um as the concubine to Duke Leto, mm-hmm. so that they would have a daughter, and that daughter would um would marry a Harkonnen. Yes. And the two kingdoms would merge. I think that's what they were trying to do. Right. Would the uh the. Thing I got out of that was that Paul was supposed to be a girl. That's and, right. And he was, and that girl was supposed to marry Fade. Is that was that the plan? I think so. Yeah. But um, but the problem is that they did not. They knew that he, she couldn't have a son, or Duke or, or Atreides couldn't have a son because if they did, he would be the coming of the the savior, the prophet, the Kuzak Sadarak. Uh, so they were trying to avoid that by Jessica. Jessica was like, "You, ha- they, they're telling Jessica you have to have a daughter." I mean, that's why um, the Reverend Mother was so mad at her, mm-hmm. and um, and gave her the um, gave um, Paul the Gom Jabbar test. If he failed the test, because a human mind would be able to fathom what is happening and not succumb to. Um, you know, imagined pain. Right. And if Which leads which leads to a memorable line from Paul. Yes, exactly. Are you suggesting that you summon an animal? Yes. I will not fear. Fear is the mind killer. I must not fear. Uh, <laughs> and now, um and the, the funny thing was that um and, and this is another thing I'm glad about too in the movie. Uh, they have a, their um, Jessica and uh, Leto have a moment uh, mm-hmm. in bed together where they talk about you know having another child and having a daughter. I once told you a daughter would be conceived at a time of parting. I remember. Conceived in love. A time of parting. Arrakis is a hostile world, though. I must be sure you want this. It has to be tonight. Under these influences. I didn't hear you with the wind. I whispered yes. In the original cut, mm-hmm. it was the, uh, the, the the family getting onto the ship to go to Arrakis, mm-hmm. and they do this um, kind of dream sequence thing where they're having sex in bed, and, and she says something I forgot, like, oh, I miss you so much, or something like that. It was so corny. They cut that mm-hmm. out completely yeah. and just added yeah. this moment with them in bed. Yeah. And I, always, I think it was funny because... Um, they gave Jessica so much shit 
for not having a daughter. And she was <laughs> like, oh, oh, you want to have a daughter? All right. <laughs> and they end up having this. <laughs> the, the, the Paul's sister ends up being more powerful than all of them almost. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Okay. My brother is coming. <laughs> I told you, Baron. My brother's here now. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, it's fantastic. And, and she did away with the Baron too. That Come was... closer, Baron. <laughs> and did you see that look on the Baron's face as he went closer? Yeah. He was like, "Oh, you're good enough to eat." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, guy's an animal. <laughs> A lot happens in those last ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's um. <laughs> And I, I especially love yeah. how they ended this movie. Uh, which version? The, uh, the, the, oh, the, 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 the Spice Diver version. The ending yeah. is infinitely better. It's in, okay. it, it takes out the melodrama, the corny-ass rain falling at the end, all that <laughs> stupid shit, and the line about him being the Kizak Saturday. Right. How can you see? That has so much more power in this version, in the, in this um, new edit, than it did, and then it zooms into his eyes. I mean, that is awesome. Well, it's the ending is so much more powerful at the end of this new version. Hi guys, this is Chuck Conyers, one half of the Cinepod movie cast. Say, do you like reading? Do you like fun? Do you like action? Do you like adventure? Guess what I've got. All of you hear me talk about my science fiction novel, The Maximilian Emancipation, which you can pick up now at Amazon.com. But I have another story that I'd like to share with you. Not a novel, but a screenplay of an action comedy romance film that I wrote called Sleeveless Heart. Sleeveless Heart is about a woman named Erica who's kind of at the turning point in her life. She's having this existential crisis. She is uh, living in this rundown shack outside of Boca Raton, Florida with her ex-com boyfriend. When her boyfriend Alex has the idea to rob a bank, of course she's all in. What else does she have going for herself? Unfortunately, instead of robbing the bank with their friends and making off with all the money, he double crosses everybody and shoots all of his friends in the bank while they're robbing the bank. And tries to convince Erica that you know the two of them can take the money and go off and everything will be good and well Erica freaks out so she ends up not only shooting her boyfriend she grabs the money and she escapes from Boca Raton Florida all the way to Jersey City New Jersey where she plans to make this grand getaway to hop on a plane and go to South America or Mexico or someplace any place to get away from all of this but due to certain circumstances, she can't leave. She's kind of stuck there. Her boyfriend, Alex, is a truck driver, travels all across the country, so he has connects all over the place, including in Jersey City. So as all of his connects are closing in on Erica, she needs a place to hide. And that place 
ends up being with this young guy who hits on her at a food court in the mall while she's getting something to eat. She kind of has no choice and has to check up with this guy for a while. This guy is a corporate spy who himself is going through an existential crisis and trying to figure out his place in the world and what he wants to do. So these two people are stuck in their lives and stuck with each other and are both on the run from their past. It's a fun little romantic comedy slash action movie. Guns, a lot of shit talking, and a really, really fun little car chase at the end. There's a car chase that goes uh, right down the face of a skyscraper. Now, I know that sounds weird, but you can find out all about it if you go to Amazon.com and pick up this book. It's only 99 cents, and it's free if you have Kindle Unlimited, so... What a bargain. You can't, you can't believe the bargains. The bargains are unbelievable. And again, if that's not your speed and you want something a little more uh, thoughtful, a little more uh, engaging, I would suggest checking out The Maximilian Emancipation. It's my science fiction time travel story. Believe it or not, it's very relevant to our time. I was pretty sure that by the time I actually got around to writing this book, I didn't think that any of the themes would be relevant anymore. But guess what? Welcome to the world. It's very relevant. That story being about three slave ships that travel back from the past and through to the year 2041 off the coast of New York and New Jersey. And no one knows what this is. No one knows what happened or why this happened. It's just this media firestorm. Everybody's going nuts. And one of the people who is brought in to investigate this, if you've ever seen an action movie where something catastrophic happens, alien invasion, uh, 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 world-destroying uh, uh, events, anything like that, they always bring in a group of specialists to figure out what's going on, you know, like, you know, the asteroid coming to the Earth. What's going on? Let's get a group of scientists together and people together. One of the people that they get together is a man named Maximilian Oroko who is a linguistic specialist who specializes in African languages. So they bring him in to talk to the African slaves to figure out where they came from and what's going on. What he comes to find out is that he has a connection to this event. One of the great things to say about Black Panther, for example, is that you got to see a part of Africa that was untouched by colonialism. The same thing happens in the Maximilian Emancipation. If you've ever wondered what Africa would be like without colonization, this is the story for you. So check it out. Look at that. I've got two books out right now. Sleeveless Heart, which is a screenplay. It's a fun little action movie. The Maximilian Emancipation, which is a very cool, very engaging science fiction time travel story. Both are available on Amazon, or you can go to my website to get more information. If you go to www.stopslaverywithtimetravel.com, you can find out all about it. That's one whole word, stopslaverywithtimetravel.com. And you can also find out more information about this little podcast you're listening to, the Cinepod MovieCast. I know I have to build it up, but I'm still working on the website. See, you have to understand, like, I, I, it's hard for us. We have day jobs and stuff, so I'm trying to kind of do all this stuff with the day job with two kids and, you know, all this stuff. But at the same time, I so want to entertain you all. So do me a favor, do us a favor, give these things a try. I think you'll have a good time with them. I wouldn't recommend them if I didn't mean that. So thank you guys for listening. On with the show. Soon they'll begin to fold space. Far off in the control rooms of spice gas. Traveling without me. 
considered I had nothing else to work with besides existing footage that's yeah. on the DVD and uh, like some foreign Blu-ray. This yeah. is a pretty amazing piece of work, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? It it does it does this film so much justice in so many ways and improves upon so much. I mean the the uh, reduction in the voiceover, the changing of some of the music in some of the scenes. Uh, right, it right. is this is um, it's masterfully made, uh, uh, and yeah. you know they they say that. Um, Editors are the real filmmakers on mm, any given right. project, you know, because they have to take what the director put um, shoots and right. turn it into a cohesive story. Yes. You know, it was an editor that came up with the last scene or the second to last scene in Rogue One. Oh, the second to last scene. Darth Vader. Oh, oh, yes. That's right. Yeah, that was the editor's idea. He's like, you know what would really be cool here? If we did, like, Vader come showing up. And they spent two weeks shooting that sequence. And it's the best thing in that movie. Yeah, uh, I think that added about $100 million to the grosses. <laughs> Just that two-week uh, two scene? Yeah, yep. totally worth it. Yep. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? It was. I mean, that... Uh... I mean, talk about and and it was I I liked Rogue One and I I liked it just fine. But that when you're seeing that dark hallway and then all of a sudden you see his lightsaber turn on, you're like, oh my god! And then <laughs> seeing Darth Vader's whoop ass just going down that hall. I mean, that was oh my god! It was brilliant. It was so brilliant. There's nothing scarier than a pissed off Darth Vader in a darkened hallway <laughs> with a lightsaber. And it's finally you're finally seeing Darth Vader in his youth, kicking a little bit of ass. Well, in his youth, I mean, between that and like Empire Strikes Back, it's only like what about um, five, six years? But, I mean, I'm sorry, Return of the Jedi. Like it's like five or six years or something like that. Yeah, a little bit yeah. of time has gone by. Um, do yeah. you, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I know we're talking about Dune, but um, did yeah. you, did you? Well, we're talking about editing, the yes. magic of editing. Yes, so I think it's very relevant here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, back to um, back to um, this uh, this Dune picture that we're talking about. Oh sure. Um, one of the other things that I thought was uh, really effective mm-hmm. was the extra added scene with the sister talking to Jessica with with um what is the sister's name? I don't want to keep calling her uh, sister. All the time. Alia. Alia, yes. Yeah. Alicia Witt. Yes. Is Alia. Um. Yeah. Thanks. The the um they added the scene after. Paul takes the water of life. The guild. They're fighting me in the mental worlds. They're behind everything. They fear the one who will come. Who know more. Who will see more. Uh, the, um... This mm-hmm. uh, what do you call what do you call those creatures the, or that one creature the um, the traveler the space mm-hmm. traveler 
Oh, the uh, you're talking about the uh, the guild pilots? Yes, yes. Right. Um, yeah. Now it's the guild pilot that um, told the emperor that they needed to kill because they were um, when the when the guild pilot came to the um, you know they re- you you noticed two things about the guild pilot different voice. Mm-hmm. They changed his voice, mm. and they added, um, Spice oh. Diver added blue to his eye. Oh, to make it more consistent with the other, uh, the other guild members. That's gotcha. exactly right, yep. That's and, cool. Yeah, and the guild pilot was telling the Emperor, you know, you've got to kill the Atreides. And the Emperor's like, who do you right. mean, uh, Leto? He's like, no, Paul. And the Emperor's like, Paul? What are you going to kill Paul for? <laughs> And I like that line, I didn't say this, I wasn't here. Yeah. <laughs> that gets quoted all the time in my house. <laughs> <laughs> because we're such Dune fanatics. It's such a great line. And also, why would he want to kill the Duke's son? Yeah. <laughs> that Jose Ferrer, man. He's, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Overall, the uh, this new cut really amplified the dramatic elements. Yes. Um, it's like uh, it's like scenes are now more intense, and and they cut out like anything that takes you out of the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's just like I noticed that there's like a lot of really bad rear projection in the film, which uh, Spice Diver took out. Like when Paul was like, uh, when he was like stuck on that rock and then like the rock collapsed. Yeah. And you see him doing a free falling, which is like kind of Hitchcockian, but like <laughs> yeah. a little cheesy too. Yes. It's like he shortened that scene, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. And also he yeah. cut out uh, Raban kicking the little person and then knocking him into the uh, the water. The one, one of the ones that was cleaning the cow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I kind of wish he left that in. Actually, I thought that part was kind of funny. But I like and... the I like the point that he made about like, look, we know these guys are evil. I just think that that's a little much. You know, it's a little <laughs> overkill. What were you going to say? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like. Uh... I, I think the, the movie could have used more humor mm. and uh, so I think it and and no amount of editing could fix this but there's uh, I think the movie just took itself a little too seriously you know um, but I like it that was that's I think that's the charm of it is that it plays it all straight I mean this is all okay. like totally like I mean from the sets the sets are amazing and, oh yeah, and the uh, the acting and the, the the I mean everything is just like you know, it's like it's playing it for real. Like this is mm-hmm. really happening someplace, and I I kind of <laughs> like that. That's kind of like what mm-hmm. that's kind of the charm of the whole thing. I think. Mm, okay, I, I I could see that, <laughs> but I could but I could also see the audience getting like really tired <laughs> because. Uh, because there's just no humor in it. Oh, it's a, this yeah. is a, this is a full course meal. I mean, there there is just it it's a lot to yeah. sit through and a lot to take in, and yeah. that's why it would probably work better uh-huh. as a Netflix series or something like that. I think so. And and if you broke this up into like thirty minute episodes, that would play so much better. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but then you'd have like 30, 30 minute episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so intense, you know? It's like yeah. a. It's like a glass of Guinness. Yeah. You need a cup of water after that. <laughs> now, what do you think of... Um, I, I like um, Toto's soundtrack. I, I think it's... Um, oh. I think it's really good. I, I, I don't see... And it's surprising that it's Toto doing it. Yeah. Did, uh, did Angela Bad... I'm sorry. Angela Badmentieri, he had nothing to do with this movie? Oh, oh Badalamenti? No. Yeah. No. He oh, okay. No, he didn't do any of the music. This is all Toto. Oh wow! They d even did the orchestral score. Yeah. That's amazing. Because I, because the theme song is actually pretty hummable, like, uh, like a Star Wars or the Batman theme song. That's right. That's the right. Danny Elfman one. I thought they did a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's very uncharacteristic of what you'd expect from I bless the rains down in Africa. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're right. Need you all the way. Well, you know, I'm also thinking of what could have been. If Joe Dorowski had uh, made this movie, it would have been Pink Floyd, which oh, would have been. Yeah. So cool, man. <laughs> That's crazy. A Pink Floyd, um, um, the um, uh, Salvador Dali is the Baron. Uh, Mick Jagger is fake. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> he got all these people, though. He got all of them. They all agreed to do it. And that's what's insane. You haven't seen it yet, have you? You haven't seen a documentary. Honestly. Not all of it. Not all of it. I, I began watching it. But, he, he uh, got... And from what I've seen, it's pretty interesting. He was like putting the whole team together. Yeah. And he and everybody he yeah. asked, they said yes. Everybody. It's insane. Orson, yeah. we got Orson Welles. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's... As the Baron. Oh, was he? I thought, um... I thought, um... Uh, uh, Salvador Dali was hired as the Baron. Oh, I'm sorry, he, he's the emperor. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, which would have been, uh, which would have been pretty interesting. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's insane. And Orson yeah. Welles agreed to do it if he was able to get his, this, this chef from this restaurant he liked. If <laughs> that was his condition to do the movie. And Jordanowski's like, yeah, I got the chef. Nutty. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, the 60s. Ah, <laughs> uh, the 60s. <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. But yeah, Toto did a pretty good job yeah. as uh, as the soundtrack uh, mm -hmm. people. Um, too many guitars, though. But then again, it wouldn't be Toto, right? Yeah, but, you know, if, he, they, if they got Pink Floyd, it'd be a lot of guitars, too. You think David yeah. Gilmore would be like, no, no, I don't want to do any guitars for Dune. <laughs> no, he would have been doing guitars too. How about uh, Max von Sydow? Oh man, he is like, and he's still working. That guy. Yeah. Could you believe it? And yeah. and I've seen him since. Uh, was it the uh, the Seventh Seal? And that was that was black and white. Wow, <laughs> my God. But was... he was great in this role. Yeah, absolutely. He plays the doctor who who is in a tra who is in a he was in the House of Trades, a doctor who decided to live among the Fremen. Doctor Kynes, yes. 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 
Now, is he the father of uh, Shani? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yes. Okay, that, that wasn't explicitly stated in the movie, was it? Yes, it was. Because oh, it was all right. Yeah. Like that. Um, because okay. they added that to they added a couple of things with in the Fremen sequence. They added a scene where Paul has a knife fight with one of the Fremen who challenges uh, when um, when it's decided that he's going to join when he and Jessica were going to you know uh, go into hiding with them. One of the mm-hmm. Fremen stands up and is like, "Fuck that." And so they have a knife fight to challenge that, and Paul has to kill him. He surprised me. It was an accident. Still got it. I invoke the Amtau rule. But Jonas, you forced this fight. These people have my countenance. If you should win, I will cut you down. Jamas, I don't want to fight you. Maybe if I explain. Explain? Explain death. I am going to sheathe my knife in your blood. No shields. I'm used to shield fighting. Take my Chris knife. Jamas turns to the right with his knife after Perry. And watch for a nice switch. May thy knife chip and shatter. And then Jessica at one point says something like, how does it feel to have your first kill? And oh, yeah. he starts crying, and then one of them says he's got water coming from his eyes. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. And they have a funeral where they cremate the fellow that he that he killed, that Paul kills. Yeah. And I think that that works in that um, that that scene, adding that scene back in because it uh-huh. sets Paul up for when he fights Fade at the end. So it doesn't come out of nowhere that he's having a knife fight with this dude. He learned this from the Fremen. So now he considers himself a Fremen. Uh-huh. This is what he has to do. He has to fight Fade. Mm. Get the heart on the blade. Good. But see, that's the thing. This this movie, like uh-huh. everything thematically makes more sense in this version than it mm-hmm. did in the truncated one. Yeah. Well, he had like three years to tinker with this movie. Mm. <laughs> David Lynch was like under a lot of pressure from the studios. He got to stand at two hours and 17 minutes. So see, see, if he had only directed return of the Jedi, (laughs) instead of talking about how Wookiees gave him a headache, (laughs) he wouldn't have had all this stress because this, I'm sure if he had worked on the, um, the the return of the Jedi, he wouldn't have been under the gun so much as he was working on Dune. Um, well, I don't know about that because uh, George Lucas could be a notorious backseat driver, if you know what I mean. Well, sure, uh, sure, and, and and that which is a definitely a missed thing considering the Last Jedi. <laughs> 
Um, I don't think this is a good idea. Um, <laughs> this isn't working. I, Luke dies here? No, I don't think so. This is not good. This is not well, good, people. What is none of my business? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. One million, two million, three million, four million. I'm, go ahead, I'm counting my money. I don't give a shit. Fuck you all. Four million, five million. <laughs> He sounds like Kermit the Frog there. He does, but he kind of has like a Kermity voice a little bit. <laughs> hey, you know what? We can bust his balls because he's a genius. So that's uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good, George. Yeah, George is listening to this. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what Charles and Jose think of doing. <laughs> hey, what the fuck? They're doing my voice. That's not funny. Oh man. <laughs> Mr. Lucas, we apologize. <laughs> Just in case, I'm covering our asses, Charles. You're welcome. <laughs> well, he's got a good sense of humor. He created Jar Jar Binks, after all. So. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, you went there. Well, you know, he know he went there. <laughs> we didn't have to, but he did. And we could bring up Ewoks, too. We went from oh. a planet of Wookiees, Kashyyyk, I'm assuming, to yeah. Endor and the Ewoks. Yeah. Why did he do that? <sighs> he explained it in um, in one of the documentaries. He explained why that happened, and I oh, okay. still hate that idea so much. Yeah. We oh, were talking boy. about that on Facebook recently, weren't we? Talking about... Um, yeah, because a uh, solo was such a tremendous flop, uh, or the first real official Star Wars flop. And um, yeah, one of our former uh, film school buddies um, yeah. mentioned that um, he thought that Rogue One and Solo were the best new Star Wars movies. He said the best new Star Wars movies in thirty years, <laughs> which is That's... I wouldn't even say that that was a bold statement. I could see that. Uh, because you can't, you're, I mean, come on, you're not going to get any better than The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that's unattainable to go yeah. that high. You can't. That's like trying to make another Goldfinger with a James Bond movie. You can't. That's like the, the gold standard. That's absolutely true. And, you know, each, each new Star Trek movie tries to be The Wrath of Khan. And you, can't, you can never match at this point. You know what came close? Undiscovered Country. Undiscovered Country. Oh, really? Star Trek really? Six. I love Star Trek Six. Huh. That's got some great lines in it too. Yeah. I know your father's a Vulcan ambassador for heaven's sake, but you know I this. <laughs> They're Death. animals. <laughs> Don't believe them. Don't trust them. <laughs> But they're dying. Let them die. <laughs> I love that movie so. I've seen that movie more than I've seen Wrath of Khan. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, Christopher Plummer definitely is is worth a watch. I am he as is, constant as the Northern dog. Star. I give him real money if he'd shut up. <laughs> I mean, that was everybody. They gave everybody, because that was supposed to be the last full cast movie. And it was, I think. Um, yeah, it was. Because they had everybody's signatures come in at the end or, uh, before the credits. 
and yeah. they gave everybody a, a moment in that movie. Right. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. Well, you know, originally it was supposed to be uh, there was supposed to be the characters themselves signing off, not the actors. So it was just interesting huh. because because when I saw the uh, when I saw the uh, actor signatures on the screen, I was going, "What? Why are they doing this?" Oh. But had it been the characters, it would have made more sense because they're signing off. Yeah, you know? but they didn't really sign off because they oh, said, yeah, "Where to?" And he's like, "Second Money star talk, to the right," you know? <laughs> and straight on till morning. Yeah, that's um, yeah, it's a wonderful uh, movie. I really, uh, I really love that. Um, we'll, we have to do a Star Trek episode, a Star Trek cinema episode. I still haven't seen the the last one that they've done, the Star Trek Beyond. I think it is. Uh, yeah, I I, I really like that one much more than uh, Into Darkness actually, but. Yeah, we could definitely talk about that. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, I have to watch yeah. that. Really, you liked Star Trek Beyond that much? Yeah, huh? I did. Wow. It was a fun movie. And Simon Pegg, of all people, co-wrote that. Yeah, so Simon, a lot Pegg, of humor. Simon Pegg's a good writer. He's, he's pretty good. He's, he's written some really solid movies. I like him as a writer very much. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've only seen his Shaun of the Dead. So, um... You haven't seen Hot Fuzz? Uh, I have not. Oh, dude. Is that funny? Okay. It's the end of that movie is genius. <laughs> I swear to I mean, I, was, I couldn't believe it watching it. I was just like, this is not happening like this. No way. It's it's huh. really, really clever. I liked it a lot. Oh, okay. And right. um, I like the third one it's because they have this the Coronetto trilogy. Um, Coronetto mm. is the little ice cream treat. is It's really big over across the pond. And um, Shaun the Dead was number one. Hot Fuzz was number two. And um, At World's End or The World's End or something like that is mm. um, is part th- is part three in that trilogy of movies. Oh, right. And, wow. Um, and it's really all three of those movies are solid, including um, including the third one. It's it's really really good. Okay. But he's a good writer. And also, um, it's not available for streaming. If you have um, if you have DVD rental on Netflix, which very few people have, like, you know, like me, for example, <laughs> because mm-hmm. they don't have everything streaming. So it's really good for, like, real, if you're a real hardcore film nerd, you oh, can yeah. still get stuff on DVD and Blu-ray through them that you can't get streaming. So it's really, really great. Um, wow. He did a series with Edgar Wright. And Nick Frost called Spaced. Oh, I heard of that. Yeah, they did two seasons. So if you want to see where all of this, where Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and all that stuff came from, it uh-huh. came from Spaced. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, it's um, it's really really clever. It's fun fun show. You, you you have a really good time. It's a blast. I love it. All right. Thanks for recommendation. Yeah, it's um, it is um. Um, talk about uh, referential pop culture stuff. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, they do like Jurassic Park joke in it um, in one of the episodes. <laughs> it's really it's really cool. I like it. And so, Mr. Zulueta, um, we've come to the end here. What do you give? What rating? Now we could do ratings for both. We can do a rating for the original movie, the original cut, and we yeah. can do a version of the um, the Spice Diver cut. And that is exactly what I had in mind. Excellent. 
Go for it. Sure. Okay, for the original cut, I would give it... Wow. I would give it... Ooh, let's see. This is It's really tough to assign this a numerical value because I love the movie, but I know it has a lot of flaws in it. Yeah. So I'm going to give it... Uh, I think it's fair for me to give it to an 8 wow. for the original cut. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it's an 8. It's not... Uh, you know, it's like I said. It's like it took itself way too seriously. The storytelling is like a little jumbled, but I love it for uh, for the world it delivered, and it, it's just a cool movie overall. Mm-hmm. And this new edit, I wish it was in HD. I yeah. really, really wished it was in HD. You know, uh, it's like we're spoiled now, right? Yeah. But it really amplified the movie. Uh, so I would give it a 9.2. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. How about you? Well, um, I'm, we're matched for, uh, the original. I give it an eight as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, flaws aside and there are flaws. I mean, it's doomed. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's 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 who does not love Dune? I mean, this is a great it's a great movie. Um, yeah, I was absolutely floored by the Spice Diver cut, and this may very well become my official go-to cut of this sure. movie. I don't think Me I too. can go back to the original. Yeah. But for the second time in Cinepod <laughs> Movie Cast history, I'm giving this a ten. Oh wow! Yeah, nice. Um, nice. I am so impressed with what this guy has done in his spare time. Yes. Um. Without no one, no one paid him for this, or anything. Oh, and he remains anonymous. Yes. Yes. Uh, no one knows who he is. Um. And if you look, uh, we both watched this on the Internet Archive, the Prelinger Archive uh, website. Uh, which yes. I will post the link to this um, on our website. Um, if you go to stopslaverywithtryandtravel.com slash podcasts, uh, you go to, or if you're on iTunes or whatever, you can click on the uh, website page and you will uh, it will come to or get to um, our website for, this, for the show. Mm. I will put a link to this version on the website uh if you love dune like we do you owe it to yourself to see this version it and believe me we haven't spoiled anything here really i mean we talked about this movie in great detail we talked about a lot of the things in it experiencing it knowing what you already know is going to blow your mind i i I mean it's this is (laughs) this is it's it's good i don't think we are going to do it justice here talking about it that's how good this version is. And it yeah. really goes to show what good, thoughtful editing can do for a project. And this is no exception. This, if anything, this is the ultimate example. I mean, you can look at films like Star Wars and films like Jaws that were disasters until the right editors came on board and made them into the films that they are that we know today. Mm-hmm. This... It, 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 I really would advocate for um, whoever uh, produced this film. I'm not, I'm not sure who put it out, um, what production company put it out. Uh, I would really, I mean, I know that like De Laurentiis produced this. 
Um, but uh, whatever studio put it out, mm-hmm. you you must do a Blu-ray of this version and give this guy all the footage that you have. Maybe throw in an extra, you know, 200, 300, 500 grand and let this sure. guy redo some effects and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It is that good. I, I'm telling you. I am telling you. I can't say enough good things about this. Spice Diver. Wait, hold on. Let me get far away enough from the mic. Well done, sir. Yeah. Well done. This is really, really strong and wow. really, really decent. Uh, I can't say enough good things about it. So please, um, you can look up um, on, you can even Google if you don't want to go to our website. You should be going to our website, goddammit. <laughs> go to our website. You should be liking and starring and all this shit. This podcast. You should be. Do it. Um, look up um, Dune Spice Diver cut. Um, Dune Redux. Uh, Dune alternative and uh, alternative edit Redux. You know any of those variations? Look it up. Watch this movie. As of now, if you go onto the Prelinger archives, you go onto the page that we looked at, where we looked at this movie. It's only got it's got less than six thousand views. So get, get on that website. Go see this movie. See this version of this movie. It's so good. And you, I've been telling you, it is a two hour, two hours and forty eight minutes. I think mm, something and like that. Something like that. It is time well spent. Set aside some time. Watch this movie, even if even if it takes you a day, two or three to watch it. Watch this movie; you will not regret it. Yeah. All right. That's a recommendation and a half, right there. <laughs> nice. And want I want to go back and watch it. <laughs> All right, kids. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this twentieth episode, sir. Oh man. Of the Cinepod Moviecast. How about that? The big two O, big two O, and I can't think of uh, any better way to celebrate that than with this, uh, with this film, with one of our favorite films of all time, and yes. a version of it that actually makes it better. Go fig! Yeah. Fantastic. So for the Cinepod Movie Cast, I am Chuck Conyers. I am Jose Joel's Luella. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Remember, walk without rhythm and we won't attract the world.